both teams just uh, with Vegas in the rear view, and Vegas has Seattle tonight, so anything could happen tonight. We'll bring in John Hoven to talk the matchup. John, I want to say condolences to you. I don't know why. You're just a, a rocker. It's a tough week for rockers. A lot of people took the Taylor Hawkins news very personally, very upsetting. Yeah, you know, it is disappointing, and you have to feel for Dave Grohl as well to go through the loss that he went through in his first band, you know, decades ago, and then now to have to go through this. It's uh, it's a rough go for him. It's a rough time for rock and roll. Taylor was one of the best rock drummers that were out there, certainly of the, the more, you know, modern and uh, bands, and uh, it, it's a loss for rock and roll, so it's disappointing. Um, let's get to the matchup tonight. First of all, I want to ask you this. The, the one thing you know about the Kings, whether they win or they lose, they're going to give you an honest effort. They're going to try, and most nights they're going to outplay their opponent. But hold on, the record just scratched. What, what did I watch on Monday night against Seattle? Yeah, Monday night was very confusing, and here's the thing. The Kings have done an outstanding job this year uh, of putting themselves in a position to go ahead and make the postseason, and then you know they've been beset with these ridiculous injuries here all coming at once, something I've never seen uh, you know, de- decades of, of being around this club have never seen this type of uh, a volume of injuries all happening at one time. And they were holding their head above water for quite some time. And I think there was a lot of optimism as well, because when you looked at the balance of the schedule, it wasn't like they needed to go on a ridiculous run to close out the season to hold down their playoff spot. They really just needed to play 500 hockey. And they had uh, a very favorable schedule when you looked at, you know, ease of opponents, if you will, with a couple of tough games, including tonight. So they have two with uh, Edmonton coming up and then two with Calgary as well. But uh, you look at both games against Seattle uh, over the weekend, even with their injuries, you, you would have liked to have seen them close both those games out. But they looked in disarray from the drop of the puck the other night. Seattle scores a goal in the opening seconds. And uh, the Kings had one bright moment, and that was that power play goal from Arthur Kaliev. I think it was the fourth game in a row with a power play goal. Uh, so, so that's good news. But other than that, there wasn't a lot to really talk about or, or write home about uh, coming out of that blowout loss at home. And it's also not the way you want to go into a very important road trip where you're going to play Edmonton, Calgary, and Winnipeg. I've asked you this question before. Who's the goalie that they're going to ride going forward? Well, I think it's going to be Jonathan Quick, although nobody wants to say that publicly. Uh, and certainly they've been splitting you know, starts, and it was a 1-1 for a while, and then it was a two-game rotation that's been here uh, recently. Jonathan Quick will get the start tonight. You just have to think that the team and the coaching staff have a little bit more confidence. So when it comes to game one of the playoffs, I think it's going to be Jonathan Quick. And, you know, it's kind of funny because it's been recently reminding me of what was happening with Kelly Rudy uh, going back to 1993, and Rob Stauber. Stauber was the backup at the time, and he ended up, basically coming in and getting them out of the first round and, and, and beating Calgary and got the start in, uh, in, in the second round. And then eventually, once he lost the game, then uh, Melrose, of course, went back to Rudy and the Kings went on that magical run and you know beat Toronto and, and uh, faced off with the Canadians in the final. And I'm not suggesting the Kings are going to go on any sort of a magical run in the playoffs this year, but it just reminds me of that late-season goaltending drama uh, where you have to wonder who's going to get the start. But I think... Game one, if the Kings qualify for the playoffs, I think you'd be looking at number 32 between the pipes, as has been the case here for uh, more than a decade now. Was that the year, I think Kelly Rudy's talked openly about that, is that the year he turned to Tony Robbins for his mental coach to get his game turned around? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rudy was basically uh, just about ready to give up hockey. Uh, he's, we've had him on the podcast. He's talked about it, and he's been very open about that. what a challenging year that was and how Barry lost faith in him. And not only uh, was it Rudy and then Stauber trying to stop the bleeding, but they ended up bringing up Rick Knickel, a career minor leaguer from the IHL San Diego Goals. And, uh, you know, so he, he even had a turn 
in net there. I think it was in kind of February, March time period that year. So Kelly Rudy definitely struggled in the second half of that season. But uh, once he was able to to get the to get the net back, to get the crease back there uh, against Vancouver, I believe it was, then, you know, he, he was the starter for the rest of the playoffs and had a, had a really nice run there in that seven-game series against Toronto and, and held his own at times uh, against Montreal before the Kings finally fell to the Canadiens. If my name was Rick Knickle, I would wear number five, even if I was a goalie, but that's just my <laughs> thought on the topic. Uh, Johnny, uh, the Troy Stetcher era is underway in L.A., uh, the deadline came and went. Not a ton of activity by Rob Blake. I'm not sure what I anticipated. We heard talk. Uh, why do you think uh, the Kings chose to remain, for the most part, uh, inactive at the deadline? Well, I would say it was a couple of things. Uh, number one, I would say that it had to do with the fact that they had a timeline to get some of their uh, injured players back. And uh, so, as we reported on Mayor's Manor, the first step back was to get Edler back, and then the next person back was Bjornfoot. We're expecting Matt Roy back at some point questionable obviously would be drew dowdy and that's the biggest loss of course uh but how long is he going to be out it looks like weeks uh although recently he's he's been practicing and shooting the puck more than he was before where he was just passing the puck it still looks like probably end of season that he returns you know and or for the playoffs uh and that would be you know a big shot in the arm but it also comes down to what the cost was in the marketplace the kings are not stanley cup contenders this season even if everybody was healthy, they aren't Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, apologies to those who want to, you know, try to uh, 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 drum up, you know, the, the feelings and what happened in 2012. This is not the same team. Uh, in 2012, the Kings came into the season, uh, predicted the challenge for the Pacific Division title, and they were thought to be serious contenders. Things didn't go well in the first half of the season. They replaced the coach, and uh, they eventually fulfilled their 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 promise or their their destiny uh that wasn't the case with this year's team this year's team came in with a lot of questions still a transition year moving out of the rebuild uh you know trying to fit in guys like Deneau and Arvidsson so they weren't a Stanley Cup contender so they weren't looking to move high-end assets for rentals i.e. first round draft picks the Chikrin deal was there to be made if the Kings were willing to pay the price but the price is still too high and that uh felt more like a summertime deal where hopefully from an Arizona perspective you can get more teams Involved, The Kings remain interested at the right price. They also have this other thing lurking in the background, Boom, and that is that they need to address the offense. They need to add one more legitimate top six forward if they plan on being a serious contender next year or even the year after. So it's great that they are so deep with their prospects, but as we've seen with Adrian Kempe, as we're seeing with Arthur Kaliev and many of the other kids that are being worked into the system, they're not overnight sensations. They're not going to come in as 19, 20, 21-year-old kids and light the league on fire and score 35 goals. This isn't the Timu Solani era you know, of, uh, of previous. So they're going to have to be patient with some of these kids, and they might be two, three years away from becoming legitimate top six forwards. And in the meantime, the Kings want to try to get back to winning. And so, again, they're probably going to need to trade some three-for-one, do some three-for-one deals over the summer, similar to what they did in adding Ardvidsson. They might need to trade some of their key prospects and or a first-round pick, and it might not make a lot of sense to push all your chips to the center to get a Jacob Chikrin. You might want to get some uh, offensive help as well. So that's kind of what was in play, and I think that they felt that they were going to be getting some of their horses back and that they would be able to uh, qualify for the playoffs. And I guess at this point it's a question of, are they going to play Edmonton in the in the first round at home or on the road? That's probably the current thinking. What does next year hold for Sean Dursey? Has he just taken this injury opportunity to jump it and just solidify himself as a as a guy going forward? 
Man, it's so fascinating when you talk about Sean Dursey, right? Because uh, his stock has never been higher, and perhaps it never will be higher. And so when you look at the future, uh, Brant Clark, uh, you know, he's lighting up the OHL. He's probably going to be in the NHL. He's going to force the issue next season. That's another person there on the right-hand side. Uh, Brock Faber, there's a good chance that when the Frozen Four is over here in a couple of weeks, that he's going to sign a contract and turn pro. Even if he starts the year in the American League next year, you just look at the depth chart and you go, okay, you have uh, Dursey, you have Dowdy, you have Matt Roy. Uh, you also have Spence, who's look, you know, looked the part uh, this year, and he's ahead of schedule. Uh, you have Helga Granz, who is a top, you know, he was a, his uh, second-round draft pick and is considered a top-ten prospect for them. He's having a great year as a first-year uh, pro here in North America. And now add to that, uh, you know, Brock Faber and, and Brant Clark, and you, you have too many defensemen down the right-hand side. It's a, it's a great problem to have, but Sean Dursey wasn't predicted or projected to be part of that depth chart or that group that we were just talking about. He certainly has forced his way into the conversation. I think it makes for a fascinating case. Do you now feel a little more comfortable sending Clark back to the OHL, where he's clearly much better than the rest of the league? But you have to make a decision next year, OHL or NHL, because he's just not AHL eligible. So a lot of tough decisions coming up between the, uh, in the uh, L.A. Kings management circles about what to do with Sean Dersey. And, uh, you know, I have to say kudos to Dersey because he's not only taken advantage of an injury opportunity that forced his way into the lineup, but uh, he's just beloved by his teammates. And uh, he, he's, done a, he's done an outstanding and a fabulous job and is a, is, a, is a classic case in point of, you know, don't worry about what happened in the past. Just take the opportunity as it exists when you're in the moment. And he's done all of that and more. Just don't fight Yakov Trenin anymore. That doesn't make any sense to me. But, hey, having a surplus of good players is a good problem to have. Uh, we can wrap it up with this one, Johnny. The matchup tonight itself, it's, it's always fascinating when the Oilers play, but there's an extra layer to it when you're playing Philippe Deneau. I mean, in, here in Toronto, we watched what he did to Austin Matthews in the playoffs last year and other players as Montreal made their march to the Stanley Cup final. He's just great at what he does. You want to see a lot of Deneau in number 97 tonight? Well, you want to see a lot of Deneau all the time uh, for the LA Kings because he's been the most effective, and here's the word, the most consistent player uh, throughout this entire season. He hasn't had any slumps. You could point to nearly any other player, and you could say either injury or a prolonged slump for Kempe, Kopitar, Ardvitsen. The list just goes on and on. I have follow. Uh, but when it comes to Philippe Deneau, he has been just ultra consistent and you never want to give uh, an award out based upon a singular performance but if you're talking about gm of the year award if it was based on just one transaction it would have to be on getting philippe to know to sign that long-term contract in la uh he, he's been everything they needed and, and, and more uh and so i think the biggest question going into tonight is really what's going to happen with the line combinations because uh that second line of more, and I know we talked about it last time I was on, of, of uh, Trevor Moore along with Philippe Deneau and Arvidsson, um, and they've been together, and they've been the line that, that has been producing and that you could count on. They've almost been the number one line, even though they're the number two line. Uh, the other night, in that disaster of a game against Coach Todd McClellan, did start to shake things up by moving his centers around. So he flip-flopped Deneau and Kopitar, and he flip-flopped uh, Quentin Byfield, uh, and put him down on the fourth line. So just giving all of the centers basically different wingers. And so I think going into tonight's game, you wonder, is he going to go back to what's been working, even though it didn't work of late, uh, or is he going to try to mix things up and shake things up and confuse you know, the Oilers and uh, hopefully give the Kings an advantage? So 
it'll be the same 12 forwards from the other night. It's just a question of how are they going to be arranged? Very curious about that. And defensively, you're probably looking to get Edler back in the lineup after he sat out the last two. So uh, big game for the Kings tonight against Edmonton. Uh, as you said at the top here, uh, they have a two-point lead on the Oilers, but the Oilers have a game in hand. So this is a big one. Johnny, thanks for the chat as always. Keep on rocking. All right, Boom. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.